This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 4th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Many Americans are ready to get away from the emotionally triggered foreign policy of President Trump. An important question, though, is would Joe Biden's engagements with foreign power be any more productive? John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. He discusses the Biden record on foreign policy and where it differs from the current president. For all the criticism of Donald Trump as a a foreign policy president, as the chief diplomat for the United States, um, we can say that he has some strong positive impulses and not a really good idea of how to execute on a lot of those impulses. What do we know about Joe Biden with respect to foreign policy? What are his impulses and uh, how strategic would he be about implementing? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly hard to tell how a potential Biden presidency would pursue foreign policy. It's just uh, in the future, too much speculation, too many things to uh, to think about. But he, Biden does have a long record of foreign policy. You know, he was uh, obviously vice president in which he engaged in a lot of foreign policy activity. He was on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for 30 years prior to that. He's taken a lot of uh, vocal positions on foreign policy over the years, so we do have stuff to draw on. Um, I'd say Biden is a candidate that thinks foreign policy is his strong point for the reasons I just mentioned. Um, but he's pretty mainstream on foreign policy, I would say. You know, he voted for the Iraq War, even though he he pretty rapidly regretted that vote afterwards. During the Obama administration, um, you know, he was an advocate for strong American leadership and exceptionalism on the world stage, but um, frequently less hawkish than some of the other uh, individuals in the Obama administration. So Biden argued against the surge in Afghanistan, for example. Biden also argued against um, bombing Syria after the red line violation and against intervention in Libya. Uh, and for diplomacy with Iran, which was intended to kind of get military conflict off the table with that country. On the other hand, you know, he's he doesn't depart very much from the mainstream consensus in U.S. foreign policy, which is particularly interventionist and hawkish. So, you know, he wants to keep all our allies and all our security commitments abroad. Um, he wants to kind of police the world as an American leadership of, of the international system. He wants to confront Russia and China assertively. Um, not very interested in defense cuts. You know, we're excessively overspending on uh, superfluous weapon systems and an expansive foreign policy that doesn't serve U.S. interests. And he's just never really articulated a, a, a real desire to see that rolled back and to see our defense budget uh, take a, a necessary cut. The other thing that I'm concerned about is he, he was a strong advocate f- in, during the Obama administration and seemingly up to now for the kind of what's called the light footprint approach to counterterrorism. You know, he wants to use special forces operations, rapid deployment, and, you know, things like drones, unmanned aerial vehicles to conduct a kind of borderless uh, strike. Uh, strategy against terrorist groups all over the world, and and that that also uh, presents uh, to me some some problems. 
So for many countries uh, that are generally hostile to the U.S., we certainly aren't doing ourselves any favors by having, uh, in many cases, any kind of footprint in those countries. We feed a lot of conspiracies about U.S. involvement or in this or that. I'm thinking particularly of Pakistan. Um, but so you're, you're suggesting that Biden would be a consistent voice for having some footprint in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, for example, he's argued for uh, increasing U.S. troop presence in Eastern Europe to check Russia, for example. Uh, he argued against Trump's, I mean, you can call it kind of call it a withdrawal from Germany, a partial withdrawal of some of the troops that we have deployed to Germany are coming home and the rest of them are being redeployed and rotated throughout Europe. But Biden obviously criticized that and said we should restore fully our alliance with Germany and, and including a deterrent tripwire forces there. So. so what has he said about South Korea, where the U.S. has, what, 30,000 troops uh, pretty close to the North Korean border? Yes, yeah, certainly no uh, no movement uh, from the Biden camp for removing those troops or revising the treaty that we have with South Korea. I think on North Korea, Biden takes a generally um, mainstream approach. He doesn't want to do face-to-face diplomacy the way Trump has with, with Kim Jong-un, but he wants to kind of garner international support from both allies and countries like China to get kind of an international negotiating uh, strategy going on non-proliferation in North Korea. Uh, it would be odd if Biden had spoken out uh, in eight of the last 12 years about uh, presidential overstepping with respect to dropping lots of bombs in countries that the U.S. is not officially fighting, given that he was vice president during those times, but outside of the times where he his salary depends on him not understanding things like that, uh, has he been critical of presidents that have uh, apparently overstepped their uh, constitutionally delegated authority when engaging with other countries? You know, I can't say from my perspective that Biden has been stronger on that issue than anybody else. I think typically uh, both Republicans and Democrats tend to criticize uh, executive overreach on war powers when it's politically convenient for them. And I'm sure if you look through, you can find examples of that in, in, in Biden's uh, statements. But it doesn't seem to me that as president, Biden would be one who would willingly and unilaterally forfeit the expanded powers of the executive branch in, in, in conduct of military affairs uh, because people tend not to forfeit expanded power. Um, he hasn't been a foremost critic of, for example, um, the Obama administration's refusal to seek congressional approval for its military intervention in, in Libya, for example. Or, or um, you know, renewing the authorizations for the use of military force in 2001 and 2002 in order to make some amount, of, you know, in order to have the law at least somewhat uh, support ongoing operations abroad. So, no, on on the on the question of executive war powers, um, he's certainly not a, a great defender of Congress's 
constitutional prerogatives there. To to what extent have uh, Trump and Biden engaged with respect to uh, foreign policy? Of course, we haven't had any debates yet. Hell, we haven't even had any conventions yet for, to officially nominate these people. Um, but uh, it, it seems that one of the concerns that I, if I'm not mistaken, you had, that Emma Ashford had, and some other uh, foreign policy folks had was that Boy, if Biden tries to outhawk Donald Trump on China, wouldn't that be extremely disappointing? Um, and it seems like he at least has tried to do that. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think that uh, I think Biden's approach on China so far has been calculated with with uh, reference to his to politics, basically. These are domestic political decisions, I think, in terms of how the Biden administration is talking about China. Uh, they recognize a lot of public uh, grievances with China in terms of economics and foreign policy and national security threats and coronavirus. And uh, they think that it's politically beneficial to try to outhawk Trump on China. Now, so they point out, for example, Trump's praising of uh, China in the early months of the coronavirus, uh, his weakness on things like Hong Kong and Taiwan. Uh, and so I think what you'll see in a Biden administration towards China is a reversion to the norm. You know, I think the trend in the Obama administration was uh, trying to find a way to um, uh, step away from the engagement policy of the 90s and towards a kind of confrontational policy that might have some hope of containing China's rise. And I think you'll see that continue. It'll just take a different form than Trump has, right? Trump's hawkishness on China is different than Biden's or different from the mainstreams, but he's sort of very belligerent and uh, sort of outwardly, you know, the, 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 the conversation, the communications, they're, they're not a part of a coherent strategy. I think they're more kind of Trump uh, being emotional and, and, and lashing out at uh, a foreign scapegoat. So, so Biden's would be more systematic. Biden's would try to curry favor more with uh, East Asian allies so that our confrontation of China is not unilateral. Um, you know, that won't overcome some of the structural issues at, at stake. But no, I think Biden will try to challenge China and find ways to cooperate in the contradictory way that we have done things uh, like that for uh, a number of years. So uh, broadly speaking, then the impulses from a President Biden may not be any uh, better or worse than the impulses of a President Donald Trump, but he would be more strategic about executing them? Maybe. And, and look, there is something going on in the Democratic Party and on the left in general. I think during the, the Democratic primaries, what you saw was an effort by a portion of the party to make foreign policy an issue, to make a shift in the way America conducts itself in the world um, a salient political issue. It was an attempt to suggest that we should roll back our defense commitments, uh, cut the defense budget, have a more restrained posture in the world. And I think in a lot of ways, they kind of won that argument, or seemingly so, during the primary campaign, despite the establishment nature of Biden's foreign policy, who, who eventually won the primaries. And so the question moving forward will be, will Biden be pressured to move in that direction by 
the constituency in the Democratic Party that desperately wants that. The, the younger portion of the Democratic Party does want a significant change in foreign policy, and they will probably conduct themselves in a Biden administration to push for that kind of change. And so I think we'll find the Biden administration, a potential future Biden administration, kind of in tension with this traditional return to normalcy, American leadership and, and, and exceptionalism versus this um, this uh, groundswell of support for something more restrained. He'll have to balance that throughout his presidency, I think. John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>